Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassidy, one of your Indianapolis Colts cheerleaders, and you're watching the Believe in Colts podcast. Welcome back to Believe in Colts. I'm Lawrence Owen. With me, as usual, is my guy, Donald Thomas. Donald, what a game. Oh, my goodness. This past Sunday, <laughs> Indianapolis finds a way to squeak out the tightest victory I have seen in so long. My goodness. Your initial thoughts while you were watching this game. I mean, it was uh, it was a stressful game, to say the least. I was glad when it was over. Um, and more more uh, glad that, you know, the Colts were able to squeak a victory out like that, you know, but I, I got some anxiety. I had to go take some anxiety pills when I got done with that because I had my heart rate up and, you know, but they found a way. They kept fighting and they found a way and it went past, you know, they had to go into overtime and, um, you know, that's just a, a test of will at that point. And so hats off to them for fighting to the end. Oh, no kidding. I mean, Less than two minutes left, Gardner Minshew steps out of the back of the end zone, and the Colts go down three points with less than two minutes left, and they have to punt the ball to him. I had the game over with at that point. I'm like, there, there is no way that they're going to be able to tie this and take this to overtime. There is absolutely no way. And somehow, as you said, you know, they they fought through, found a way to get a quick three and out, only like 30 seconds taken off the clock before yeah. they got the ball back and was able to get down, tie the ball game, take it to overtime. That alone shows the perseverance of this Indianapolis Colts, right? Scrappy. Scrappy, to say the least. Resourceful um, when it when it counts. I think that they, um, you know, the best part about that win was that they 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 showed some, some more identity on offense, in, in my opinion, right? Like, that win there shows that they can run the ball when needed. Um, and they also can, you know, throw the ball when needed. Um, but it really showed like it, it created an identity of guys that had to step up at the right time. And so as you go down the season now in crunch time or when you need a yard or when it's time to get that 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 first down, like you come back to these moments. And so that that was the best thing I took out of the game. Like when I sat back and thought about the game post game, like like what do the Colts really get out of this besides a hard-fought game? Like, you found some leaders on offense. You found some guys that you can rely on on offense now and on defense, you know, to get a stop, right, to get a pressure on the quarterback, um, um, to make that play in the secondary. You saw guys start stepping up. You really saw that. And I was really impressed by, you know, guys that came out and really played hard. And, and so it, it just showed in that game I was, I was happy with the outcome. Absolutely. But before we get into this any further, I just want to remind everyone, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, NFL, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember, use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that, my goodness, Michael Pittman Jr., you were talking about guys stepping up at the right time. Now, this did not 
give the Colts the – this wasn't on the field goal winning drive, obviously, yeah. but it was in a situation where it changed field position, right? It was a very major play because it changed field position to where when the Colts did have to end up um, either punting or giving it up on, on you know, uh, on downs, that the Ravens weren't just like, all right, we can kick a field goal from here and win the game, right? That mm-hmm. that catch from Michael Pittman Jr. has to be one of the toughest, most physical catches I have ever seen from a wide receiver, like ever. I mean, the defender had his hand up in his face mask and knocking his helmet clean off, you know, getting hit right in the back at the same time by the safety. I mean, to be able to hold on to that football and, yeah. and carry that catch all the way to the ground was just a feat of unbelievability, right? Yeah. And you know what? That catch within itself is is remarkable, but it does way more than that. It gets the whole team going. It gets everybody on the sideline fired up. It does something to the old line. It does something to the receivers. The, re- the rest of the receivers can step up. It does something to the defense. It shows how much, how bad we want this win, right? And like that right there, I was like, ooh, boy, I wish I was still playing because that would have got me juiced up. And so I really think that that built his confidence up. It built Gardner's confidence up. It built everybody's confidence up to keep fighting. Like, let's go get this win. If this dude d- damn near got his head decapitated off, right, and he's coming down with the ball and still holds on to it. Like that shows you how much this means to, to 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 us. Like let's all rally together and let's get a win. Absolutely, absolutely. Now the Colts had issues picking up the blitz in this game offensively, and oh my goodness, did they blitz? I don't think I've seen a team blitz more than what the Ravens did. Sixty-three percent of their defensive snaps they sent a blitz on. That's unheard of. There's teams out there that blitz. I've, I've seen it close to 50%, never 63%. And the Colts seem to have problems with it. You know, five, six sacks, something like that, a billion and a half, you know, quarterback hits, right, uh, and pressures. It was just – it was ridiculous. I got a question, though. If Ryan Kelly was able to play in that game instead of Wesley French, would those blitz packages been able to get picked up or was that just a damn good uh, – play calling and execution by the Ravens D. Um, You, you know, you, you, it could go either way. I think that there would have been more communication. So where guys weren't rattled so that maybe we could have sorted this, this mic's not coming. Let's push this thing out to the right uh, slide it, push it. Right. We're going to disregard this guy. But what the, the, so yes and no, I'll say this, that the first time they ran that blitz on that, on that third down, um, I felt like it should have and could have been picked up. But the way that the, the the Ravens designed that to occupy the center so that they can't push the blitz, they can't push it out to get the widest, I was like, ooh, that's, that's, that's dirty, right? Because it could have been picked up. But you have to say, this guy, this Mike, he's not coming. We're pushing this thing, right? Or you adjust it to where it's like, all right, we got to push to the widest, or you bring your running back across, or you have to bring in a guy to block the widest. Something needs to be adjusted for it. Uh, because it could have been picked up. Just the fact that it didn't get picked up and he just had a clear shot on him, then it happened again, then it happened again. And it's a problem when you see the same blitz work three times in one game um, is an issue. Um, and so that's going to have to be corrected. I don't know if Ryan Kelly playing or not would have affected that. Um, I want to say that it would have been if you have a veteran guy that says, hey, 
he's not coming, push this thing. They're not going to like fool, like fool me once, but fool me twice. Now fool me three times. All right, now come on. Right. right. So, you know what I'm saying? So, yes, it could have been picked up if the, I think there was some more veteran leadership on the offensive line. Colts defense in this game. Well, screw this game. All right. I don't, I don't, right now, the Indianapolis Colts defense is ranked tied for first and fourth fumbles, tied for first and fumble recoveries, and second in the NFL in sacks. Holy crap. Yeah. That's unreal. And they yeah. stacked onto their totals, you know, uh, in this game against the Ravens. This defensive front seven, we've been saying it all year, has been good. This defensive front seven is absolutely outstanding. And they're going to have to be um, for the Colts to be uh, in any type of contention to make it the playoff, you know, berth or anything like that because the simple fact that we're still trying to find out who we are on offense. We're still trying to figure out how, you know, even with Anthony coming back, you know, we're going to see a different offense now, right? So they're going to have to be stout on the D, on the defensive line and up front, like period. And they got to be rock stars all year because, like, they're essentially, you know, keeping us in games at times. And, you know, hats off to the defensive line and, and, and the linebacking core, uh, of, you know, being like a curtain uh, out there, you know, not allowing, you know, for big plays in the run game and not allowing for – you know, us to just kind of get pushed down the field, right? To be stout, to hold it up, right? Like, we got to be, have a, and I mean, the pass rush, I think is great. I think interior, I think Grover Stewart, he's not getting as much credit as, 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 uh, as I think he should be. He's playing with, very well this year. Like, you know, I know DeForest Buckner gets a lot of credit, but I think Grover does a great job in the middle of clogging that thing up, taking on double teams, allowing EJ and those guys back there to run free and make plays. You can't take anything away from, a good three technique that knows how to hunker down and take up two block two blockers so someone can run free and make a play in the run game. I think most Colts fans understand the value that Grover Stewart brings, but I think you're right outside of Colts Nation, you know, across the NFL, they they see DeForest Buckner and Quiddy Pay and then they're just like, "Oh, well, that's their defensive line." Right? Right. Uh, three tech and uh, the the one tech are very very important in this, and and, and especially uh, when you're only going to send four, that one tech is very very important to eat up those, to eat up those blocks. Huge, yeah, yeah. They go, you know, like they're like the unsung heroes at times. Like, like, you, but you hear about those guys, and you wonder why they stick around for so long in the league. It's because they just do their job well. They're, they're mm-hmm. like they're not going to they're, they're not going to stuff the the stat sheet. But like, if you look, if you look at your court, like if your linebackers are getting multi, like t- ten plus tackles a game, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're they're running free, yeah, they're making some great plays. But there's times where that that one take is is he's taking on two guys at once, so someone's gonna run free. Like and and, and like you know, you see your linebackers always like running up and slapping the like the one tech or the three tech in the head, like, you know, good job because you allow me to run free. Like they're doing that right now. And they're doing their job pretty, pretty darn well. So, you know, hats off to those guys up front. And then they just keep bringing pressure on the outside. They're able to get there. And that's allowing us to kind of sit back, right, as from the linebacking core and, and make these in the, in the pass game, right? So there's a reason why they're up there, you know, as one of the better defenses in the league right now. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I want to go to where – you know, right after the game, national media, the the, the callers on the field uh, were actually talking about, and they made a big point 
about the EJ speed covering the wide, uh, the, the wide receiver and, you know, had the hook arm. They're like, that should have been pass interference. And, you know, Ravens fans and rest of national media pick up on that and been pushing it hard right after the game. To be fair, I'm looking at this going, that wasn't the only missed call. There was a billion missed calls in this game on both sides of the field. Multiple face masks missed on both sides, multiple pass interferences. There was the stopping the clock, you know, on the on the Lamar Jackson sack near the end of the game, which shouldn't have been even reviewed because, you know, down by contact on that sack isn't a reviewable thing, and it would have changed the entire process of the the Colts could have got the ball back and had a chance at a field goal to win the game at that point. Mm-hmm. The refs let this game play out. They did not dictate the game, in my opinion, in that aspect. It's like they sat back and said, let the guys play. But it's early in the season. I'm not used to seeing that. Is that a mistake? Do you think that refs should, like, call egregious fouls early uh, you know early in the season and not just be like, let it walk or do you think this is more of a uh, a learning time for these these refs this season um so i think well you know the refs are graded and their film is broken down on the all the calls that they make uh i don't know if a lot of people understand or know that but that is a thing right so they're graded um on their performance and and if they made the right call or even missed calls that should have been called so um I can guarantee you that it's not, you know, just going to go unnoticed by them or not talked about or not have this thing broken down to where, hey, you missed this call. You should have made this call. This wasn't the right, you know, um, outcome for how you guys officiated the game, right? And so um, it, it 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 adds on to if they will be a, you know, playoff, you know, crew or they'll be a Super Bowl crew down the line. And so they're learning and they're 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 incentivized to make the right calls but like i said like yes uh i don't from a player standpoint you know i don't want them making more egregious calls if they're going to go against me just because uh for the hell of it right so i'm not going to sit there and be like oh i got called for holding and I'm like it was that was not holding we all know it's holding but what can i do about it now i got called for holding and now we got to walk backwards instead of having a big time play but they have to – they are going to be a little rusty, right? They're going to be a little bit more tentative to make a call at times, and sometimes they're going to be a little, you know, trigger-happy to, 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 to throw the flag, and they're going to – like, over the season, they're going to get better too. Just how we say a football team's got to get better from, you know, July to all the way through, you know, January for – in the NFL, the officiating crews have to get better too at making these calls and training their eyes to see the right thing and – knowing when it's time, no matter crunch time or beginning of the game, to make the right the, the, the right calls. Absolutely. Zach Moss, 30 carries, 120-some yards rushing this game, plus that wheel route touchdown that we saw uh, in the first quarter. Moss, the last two games since he's been back from that broken arm, has played very, very good football. Uh, this is week four coming in. Jonathan Taylor – potentially coming off pup with list next week. Uh, do you think Moss will have any kind of impact if he continues to play well against the Rams on how much, or if we see Jonathan Taylor come in or is Jonathan Taylor, just that damn good of a back that you just throw him in no matter what. I think Moss stays 
to be started running the football. I don't think that this is a team where you can afford to have a whole bunch of moving pieces on offense right now, because if you, you know, if you put Taylor back in right away and say, pick up where you left off, well, where did he leave off? Right. Like last year, like, where did he leave off? Like for real, like what role was he on to where he can just, so he has to get back into game shape. He's got to get back into, you know, learning the offensive line and how they block things because you, you can't just take a running back and insert him into something and be like, yeah, run power. Well, how does that guard pull, right? Like, is, does he pull, like, up in the line? Is he aggressive? Or am I going to be bouncing this thing in the backside day gap? Like, I got to get a feel for my line and how we block and how we scheme up things. So, automatically, I think you keep um, uh, Moss in there. I think you give Taylor some some reps, get him acclimated back to game speed, Test him out. Make sure he's good or whatever. I don't think anything's wrong with him anyway, but that's for, for another day. Um, but I don't think you disrupt the offense right away. And you reward this kid for coming in for, after breaking his arm and he's playing well and he's catching passes out the backfield and he's freaking running touchdowns and almost two. Like, you don't just you don't you don't disregard that, right? You know the value of, of Jonathan Taylor, but we got him on contract. What is he going to do at this point? He can't do anything. Like, you go out there and you play that. You're cut – like, you're – contracted to play this game for the Indianapolis coach, go out there and play. And if you play well, you'll get more reps and you'll get your money down the line. But we're not, I'm not good. I'm not rewarding bad. It's just me. I'm sorry. When I'm looking at it from a standpoint of a GM or heck, I'm not rewarding. You don't have me by the, you know what, like your player, you'll be rewarded for your efforts and your time. Yes. You've done a great job for this, for this organization. But I feel like sometimes we take into like account, like the player's, sometimes in certain situations have too much power and sometimes they don't have enough power. But in this situation, in my opinion, I feel like you should just still be playing. And if the Colts feel like you're valuable, they will reward you. I'm, you know, but you can't just, you can't bite the hand that feeds you either. Like it's a, it's a slippery slope in my opinion. It's tough, man, but he's got to come in and play well. Just be yourself. Absolutely. Um, I, I kind of feel the same way. I said when, uh, even if he comes off pup, week four you you got I mean we got new offensive line coach we got new running backs coach you know he hasn't had taken one snap of practice all year you know even if he's been working out this entire time trying to get into game shape he hasn't been taking hits at all even in practice nothing like that you gotta build your body up for a game right and so I felt like you know, general rule of thumb is three weeks. Running back, you could go quicker, right? You need three weeks of practice to get into game shape and understand if you've never taken a snap that season. But running backs, I think you could go a little bit quicker. I don't think he takes a snap week five. I think he gets his first snaps week six, personally. You know, but yeah. that's that's just how I look at it. I'm not there in the training training, you know, practice field, stuff like that. I'm not the coaches. I don't know. But that's just from my general, you know, how I've seen the NFL over the many years that I've been covering it. That's how I see it. You know, that's how it generally works out, even with your guys that are, you know, your superstars that you know can make game-changing plays. They need that time to get acclimated, especially when there's a whole new system around them, right? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, practice at this point and during the season is not going to get you in a game shape. (laughs) 
let's just be honest. Like you're not getting in any type of game shape at practice during the season. You know, like that's just not even a thing because you got to keep guys fresh. You got to get preserving guys. You got guys that are, they're banged up. You got to take care of your team. And, and you know, the, the flow of practice changes as the, the landscape of your team changes. Right. So, you know, this is going to be something that it's not easy to be out the game and to just hop back in the game after having some time off. And I think you're right. I think you, he, he shouldn't take a snap his first week back. And I think he should gradually like be brought back into the game plan. But I don't think that you just, okay, now we wait a week and then we give it to him. Like if, if Moss, mm-hmm. if he legitimately just like just starts to fall off, because here's the deal. It's going to be one of two things for him. He either he's worried about Jonathan Taylor coming back and his play diminishes, or he knows that Jonathan Taylor's coming back and he rises his game and raises his level. Like, no, 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 no. I got this. And now we see a new change of the guards, a new sheriff in town. And now you got a double headed monster. And that might be something great for the Colts to have a one, two punch at running back, which we haven't had in a very long time. Right. So either you rise to the occasion, you play better or you succumb to it. And you say, woe is me. Jonathan's coming back. They want to give him the snaps. And now you don't play as well. Now you become the disgruntled employee. So it's on him too. Right. So you can go one or two ways for both of them. But I feel like you got to gradually bring them in. Let him know that, hey, listen, he's doing a great job for us. And he and then Jonathan has to understand that, too. Like, you're still a great running back. No one's taking that away from you. But you can't, But you haven't proven yourself to just come back in and just take over. Now, if you do and come out and bust a 90-yard run from line of scrimmage, that's a different story. Right? Yeah. Coming yeah. out 115 yards rushing your first game back, I'll shut my mouth. But until then, you got you have to prove that you were that good guy that you used to be when you were – all top 100 players in the NFL form, which was two years ago. Yep, absolutely. So we're coming to the end of this episode. Any final thoughts about the game that just uh, happened this past Sunday that you want to uh, give to those watching this? Yeah, I mean, we just have to make better decisions in, in crunch time. You know, catching a punt and not letting it go and putting us in, you know, worst field position. Um, you know, protecting the quarterback a lot better. You know, things that we could clean up. We just have, we need we got to clean them up. I think the coach are going to learn from this this win. Nonetheless, great win. It took four quarters and some. That's something that for Colts fans to hang their hat on that this team's going to fight to the end. Um, you know, and next man up. And oh oh, hold on hold on, Juju Brents. Right. Let me give him a shout out. That kid came in. Uh, you know, and I was I I didn't I really didn't know anything about him from college, but I liked the way he was flying around. He was flying around. You know, and I know it's fresh legs and first NFL game official one, but he was flying around and making plays and he was physical. He's showing up. Um, I just like this energy. So I'm excited to see him, uh, you know, get more playing time and get more snaps and and, um, and make some more plays. Um, some things we just got to clean up on the offensive line. Defense, defensive line, I think, was, was, was stout. Um, but I want to see, you know, we'll see what happens this week with Anthony and, and Gardner and, and who's going to get the start and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, either way, I think that it's a, a great week to be two and one. Um, and, you know, we are just going to have to keep progressing this season and we'll see what happens. But I like it. The pesky Colts don't count them out. Do not count them out. They're scrappy. Absolutely. I, uh, I, I agree with you on on Juju. I've been saying since I saw him at training camp when he started practicing, I was like, this dude plays physical. He is a physical corner. He hits. When he hits somebody, 
he hits somebody, right? He's looking to jar balls loose. And yeah. he showed that when on his punch out on that tackle there at the, uh, uh, that, that could have been, you know, a game, you know, a, a scoring drive for the Ravens. So uh, great job by him. And yes, uh, you, you touched on that when you should catch a punt and when you shouldn't catch a punt. I've always been told when I played and I played special teams inside the 10 yard line, let it go. If you're outside the 10 yard line, you catch that, whether you're returning it or fair catching it. That's the rule. He was at the 12 and let it go. You know, that's not something that I would have done. And, and I think that was a mistake. And I think the coaches will probably get on him about that. Um, But I think that's going to do it for uh, this episode of believe in Colts where the Indianapolis Colts shocked the NFL in defeating the Baltimore Ravens uh, this past Sunday, week three of the 2023 NFL season. I'm Lawrence Owen. That's Donald Thomas. This was Believe in Colts brought to you by Bet Online. And as usual, go Colts. Go Colts. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.